0: Life good. Never on! Whoa. Hard. Hardly yes. Come on, friends! Life good.
1: Got real close. Got hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds.
0: Have they no. saved oh. it for her? It. Yes, they have. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. How are you
1: today? Oh, Sean, I'm I'm good. I'm a little sleepy. A little sleepy. You know, it's been. Uh, A few days of staying up late to watch some curling, but uh, no better reason for staying up late, I say. That's true. So
0: we're recording this. The Curling World
1: Cup in Suzhou,
0: China is over. Canada with a clean sweep of, of the events. A little surprising there. You stayed up to watch it all. Except for the men's.
1: Except for the men's that started at four. <laughs> I, I was fading pretty hard by the end of the, the ladies game, so... But it's only eight ends, so a little better yeah. than a full ten.
0: Yeah. And uh, not as much on the commercial timeouts.
1: No, exactly. And knowing that it was starting at midnight, oh, it's only a couple hours. That's fine. I can stay up for that. But it's been like a weird couple of days. I don't know. I couldn't sleep Thursday <laughs> night. And, and, and I, I haven't had a lot of sleep, so... If I sound incoherent. It's like every other week. Yeah, hey. So there you go.
0: <laughs> so so let's go through these uh, events. Let's take them maybe chronologically in the way in which the finals were played. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, overnight. So the one that everyone in the country could have seen had they chosen time zone wise. Yes. The only people for whom this might have been tough was maybe Newfoundland. Uh, Maybe, but I stayed up for a midnight guys. game, so they're uh, they're fine. So starting started at 8.30 Eastern time, the mixed doubles finals between suddenly the power squad of Kirk Myers and Laura Walker going up against Sarah Anderson and Corey Dropkin of the United States, Canada, with a 7-3 to win here. And I, I don't know, Scott, it seemed to me in looking at this game that... Uh, the the real turning point in this game, uh, obviously the second half of the game, but that fifth end where Canada steals three.
1: It was the story of the week, I'd say, for Crocker Walker and Myers. <laughs> it's her Twitter <laughs> handle. It's hard to the Crocker, uh, Walker, yeah. Yeah, at yeah. Crocker Walker. Yeah, at Crocker Walker. Yeah. Uh, the The story of the week seemed to be that they would start the game, you know, a little bit slowly, play it even, and then after that fifth end break, they would. Uh, come out of the gates uh, swinging, you know, and uh, there was often times when I was watching I watched mostly highlights of the mixed doubles uh, this week, I, I didn't watch that many full games, but it, it was first end, oh Canada gets one, uh, gives up a steal of two, something like that, but then yeah the from the fifth end on, they were just dominant all week, Yeah, uh, and it was no different in the final, you know uh, this team from the USA, they had an awesome week, 6-0 through the round robin and uh, they just uh, they played well in the first half, and then those one or two mistakes, uh, the Canadians were ready to pounce.
0: Yeah, so if you look at this game, uh, the first end was kind of weird. Sarah Anderson on her last one, there's sort of this grouping of stuff around the button. Mm-hmm. It's almost like she just threw it. <laughs> Sarah Anderson was like, see what happens. Well, yeah, let's <laughs> see. Uh, roll, sort of stuff rolls around, and the Americans get to Canada. Uh, doesn't really have a shot for two in the second end. They have a stone on the button, and there's two American stones in front of them. Laura Walker throws the draw and has perfect weight, but just there's no chance to get in there for a second point. Mm-hmm. And then it's the third end where I think it really starts for Sarah Anderson maybe to go downhill a little bit. She has a shot for two on a hit and, uh, or sorry, an in-off. Yeah. To and roll into the button for two.
1: And it was a little wide.
0: Yeah, so she doesn't get that roll in. Uh, And the Americans are are forced to one there. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was sort of the start of her struggles, it seemed like, for the rest of the day. Uh, We mentioned that shot in the fifth end. And then in the sixth end, the Canadians are potentially in trouble with one stone behind two stacked American stones in the forefoot. And Sarah Anderson has a long raise that if she makes it, it could be for three. And instead, it doesn't curl enough, sort Mm -hmm. of goes wide. Goes wide, And it's a steal of one. But it seemed like there were chances there for the Americans, shots like that, that if Sarah Anderson makes them, then they probably come out and win this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, credit to Canada, they were putting her in a position where she had to make difficult shots. Yes. For the most part. And, I don't think this the rest of the week she was in such a, a tough position, you know. Right. Uh, and and all credit, they, they made them all week, but, you know, today just wasn't their day. Uh, you know, the way the point system works here at this competition, coming out of it, uh, you get five for losing the final and ten for winning the final. Add that to all your points throughout the competition. USA had 23 points to finish and Canada, 25. So... Uh, you know, going into the next event, if you're looking at uh, points for countries in in mixed doubles, the USA is doing pretty well. Yeah, you know? th- this was a great week for the Americans,
0: for sure. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt that they had a very strong week. And actually, if you look at the scoring summaries, the United States had four fours and a six yeah. throughout the week. So yeah. you have five ends of four plus. That's a pretty good. Uh, Pretty good week. They were plus 40 overall on points. Uh, They stole 16 ends, only gave up four steals themselves. So a really solid week for them Mm -hmm. overall. And definitely no complaints, I think, for Corey Dropkin, Sarah Anderson. Just in that final, uh, Sarah Anderson, 50% on hits, 77% overall. But that 50% on hits, that's where they come up short. And that was really the difference in the game. On top of that, on the other side, you have the Canadians shooting 88%. In a final in mixed doubles, that is an insane percentage. Yeah, in mixed shoot. doubles for sure. So really, uh, coming up against the buzzsaw. But as you said, and this happened in the spring too, during their run through the national championships, during the world championships as well. They're very much a second half team. Yeah, not unlike uh, actually, John Morris and Caitlin Laws Exactly. That yeah. We saw at the Olympics that it took them a, a couple of to sort of get into the groove each game. Yeah, and then it's just you couldn't stop them. And what's
1: kind of neat is that they. Uh, it seems like they're feeling out the ice a little bit, you know, and they're able to make adjustments where some other teams just aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, they've learned what they've learned from practice and they're going to take it, even if that's not what they're seeing in, in the game. So uh, I'm super impressed by their communication. I know we talked about that at the World Championships yep, too. for sure. Uh, this team who's, who's thrown together because Jeff Walker couldn't play uh, last year because he was going to the World's. You know, uh, lightning in a bottle, right? Now it's like, Jeff, who? Yeah. Like, who, who needs this guy? Like I did see an interview and uh, Rona asked, oh, what are you guys doing tonight? And Laura Walker was like, oh, man, well, uh, Kirk asked me to go out for dinner or something. And I, I was shocked because he usually just wants to hang out in his room and go to sleep. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're going out for dinner. So it looks like they're, they're uh, having fun and are a pretty good unit. Yeah, so now we'll see. I don't know. I
0: guess uh, Jeff Walker has to find somebody from Saskatchewan, a woman to play with for his own mixed doubles thing. I don't know. Maybe he'll get like Stephanie Lawton or someone to to come out and, and start playing. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so a, a great start for them, and and they want they only lost the one game, but they were never really in trouble in Group A at all. No. Um, Norway, Russia, the Swedes never really came close to them, uh, and, and the. Other group, Group B, the Americans just run right through it. Uh, the only game Switzerland lost were two the Americans. So I think it was 4-2. We were high on them. We were, and, yeah. And uh, certainly they did well against the Chinese and the Koreans, but they, the Chinese and the Koreans only beat each other. That's <laughs> so, right. So uh, Korea and China both go 1-5, and five, beating each other, splitting their two games, and losing to everyone else. So, yeah,
1: they, they were overmatched, it would seem. And uh, it's too bad, you know. Uh, yeah. But they're getting great experience at this kind of event and you know we'll see what happens at the next uh, two legs
0: yeah for sure so so definitely a good start here i want to mention one other thing statistically yeah that the world curling federation has uh, posted now the power play analysis oh good so we talked about this in the spring and one of the things that i'm always curious about is how these power plays have worked it's a relatively new thing where you can put these stones to the one side it's Intended, I think, to be an offensive measure. If you're down a few points, an easier way to generate multiples. But at the same time, it can be used defensively. Get the play away from the forefoot. And if you're ahead, you're not as likely to give up a steal. So in this power play analysis, overall there were 40 used across all the games. This includes the final. Mm -hmm. So we have 40 used. The thing that surprised me, in those 40 ends, the teams that used it had a net of 30 points.
1: Yeah, that's pretty interesting, hey? I'm, I'm looking at the stats here myself, and
0: yeah, you'd think it would be a lot more. You would think so. So in this structure, you have... Now, to be fair, it's mitigated a little bit by the Koreans and the Chinese reach negative On these, yeah. So when they used the power play, the Koreans gave up three steals and scored two singles and a three. The Chinese scored three singles and gave up three steals for a a total of negative three points. So they're negative points overall. Everybody else is plus. The Norwegians used it the best at plus two. The Canadians at one point seven. But overall, it doesn't seem to be. This great offensive tool, as it's been designed as mm-hmm. at least in this event. yeah, you're
1: right. And you know and you know I I feel anecdotally, like the power play is used more often by the team that's winning to avoid a steal. Yes, you know, uh, and we're seeing it sort of play out here in the numbers. There's only one end of four points scored during a power play, and that was Norway. Which is a big part of why they're at the top of the table for points scored during a during a power play, right? Right. So,
0: well, the Americans had one too, um, in there uh, at four. Okay. So, uh, but so, but yeah, like if if you look at like yeah, a net of thirty points is not a lot, and Norway had twelve of them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so maybe this is something that needs to be looked at and tinkered with a bit, you know, and, and say you can only use it if you're down, maybe. Yeah, or tied. Or tied. Yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. Because,
0: And even, I don't know, like the Canadians, we saw this at the Olympics, John Morris, Caitlin Laws, didn't use it very often. No, they would uh, save it to the last end usually. If they needed it defensively. So mm-hmm. if you're only up one with the hammer in the last end, you're using that power play yeah. to save yourself. And here, seven games, the Canadians only use it three times. Mm-hmm. So it it seems like that strategy might just be the Canadian team structure now to not use it unless you have to and preserve it as a defensive measure because to only use it three times in seven games would indicate that it's more of a defensive structure now Mm
1: -hmm. and you know to go along with that there were quite a few games that didn't go the full eight ends so if they're saving it till the seventh or eighth and the other team's shaking then yeah okay we're not going to use it so yeah that is a really interesting i i'm Interested to see how this plays out for a full season over the course of a season, you know, one event, you know, sample size small. Yeah. But it is something that's got to be looked at if if it's not going to be, you know, used in the way it was intended.
0: Yeah, then something will certainly have to happen on on that. So there you go with the mixed doubles. Uh, if I want to
1: I want to check our picks check on Sean. the
0: picks here. So one of us had Norway against China with the Chinese winning. The other one had Canada beating Sweden. So I didn't actually write down who <laughs> who, was? who said what. I'm pretty
1: sure I picked Norway and China. Okay, so then I get one. So <laughs> you get one point. All right. Canada the, over Sweden, but it's our it's the start of the season. Let's keep track of how many points we get. We get one point for picking a playoff team and two points for picking a champion. How okay, about?
0: let's do that. So All right. on the total points then, so I would have two points. Sean gets two points. I get two points for picking team Canada in the mixed doubles at the first leg of the World Cup of Curling. So congratulations to Laura Walker and to Kirk Kirk Myers. Their prize is to get to go back to China in in May. So they'll be back the World Cup, the grand final leg, whatever they're calling it. That's going to be in
1: May in Beijing. The grand final, yeah. So they'll get to go back... For that, so congratulations to them. Their other prize, I guess, is they'll probably achieve status on uh, whatever airline they prefer to fly. Yeah, get all those miles.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. So uh, there you go. And now let's move on. Then, then next game that they played was, of course, the women's final. This is the game you stayed up for, Scotty. Yeah,
1: I stayed up till the wee hours to watch
0: it. Uh, And again, Canada comes out victorious. The same seven to three score. But a little different. Maybe, a little bit maybe different. Maybe not as much of a... a, a, a the, the score, I don't think, reflected how close this game was.
1: No, it was really, really close. Uh, Rachel Homan's team, they looked a little bit shaky at the beginning, I thought. Uh, but, you know, they were able to uh, persevere through. And then they got a big steal. Uh, a big steal there. Oh, no, I'm uh, not a steal. They got a nice hit and roll. Like a little flop to the inside, squeaking by a guard that enabled them to score and uh, really put Sweden in the uh, in the in the w- <laughs> really really in a tough spot. Uh, Sean, it was I was up till two a.m. It's so early. <laughs> yeah, you're like, come over in the morning, it'll be great. <laughs> oh, I can't even talk. So, uh, so
0: you're talking about the third
1: end? I'm talking here. about the third end. The where third
0: end. It, so Rachel Holman makes a beautiful sort of board weight, maybe hack weight, little hit and flop behind cover to steal. It it was a steal of one there. And what happens is sort of that that Swedish stone is pretty much wide open or maybe edge to edge. She has to play it soft. She gets the flop in and enough space there that Anna Hasselberg is forced to play a run back double and it doesn't curl nearly enough, so much so that the way the rocks come off the guard, if she hits it a hair thinner,
1: yeah, might have been it a might have a been two. a steal
0: of two. Yeah. That the the stone that she's trying to race back, which is a Canadian stone, which we always talk about how dangerous that is, sort of ricochets, almost gets into the forefoot mm-hmm. for a steal of two. But that shot in three, I mean, the second in Canada scores two. It's pretty open. Yeah, it uh, was. A- Rachel gets a, a relatively easy hit for two. But that shot in the third end, that little hit and flop. You could make the case that that wins the game.
1: Sure, and they and that shot, and along with the final shot of the game, was really made by Joanne Courtney. Uh, mm. Say what you will about uh, about her throwing; she seems to uh, to get in her head a little bit the last year or so. Uh, I noticed she doesn't seem that confident when she's throwing, but she's still the best, or at least one of the best sweepers in the world. Oh, for sure. And definitely made that shot for Rachel, both in three and the final shot of the game.
0: Yeah, so let's let's go to that then because nothing really <laughs> honestly happens. Yeah, the th- trading singles and the then- trading singles. Anna Hasselberg tries a split, like it's a takeout split. Yeah, in the fourth end where she noses the one. So there's there's a Yellowstone just outside the rings, and the Redstone Canadian stone just top twelve right behind it, and she tries to get the takeout. So she throws control downish type weight, tries to get. The rays take out and get the shooter to roll to in in. for two. She noses it, only gets one. That's a bit of a missed opportunity there. Rachel Holman makes a nice double in five for, for the, the single. single. Yeah. Uh, Anna Hasselberg seems like pretty open end in uh, six. Yeah, she has a pretty easy draw for two. And then
1: in the after a blank in seven, we have the eighth end. I think I think the blank in seven is a little a little underrated, Sean. That, okay, that was. Uh, sort of the key end of the game to me where you know rachel homan's up one with hammer knowing that in this event the ties are broken with a single draw to the button not an extra end so there's no advantage to uh you know going down one scoring one you know there for her to keep hammer and a one-point lead going into the eighth end I think that was the, the most important thing they were able to do in the game. Wow. And uh, it started with, you know, a few missed guards by Sweden, uh, as did the 8th end. Uh, it was a little sloppy play uh, with, with the guard placement by the lead, Maybergs. And so, uh, to me, th- when I was watching the game, and I was watching the 7th end, and they were able to get the blank, that was when I thought, oh, Canada's won. won okay, the game. so more so than maybe even the 3rd end, do you think the 7th end. I think so, point. yeah, because in the third end, you know, you still have the the five ends to go, so anything can happen, and Sweden is obviously a great team, but but getting that blank and keeping the hammer into eight when you're up one, I think, to, to me, I thought, oh yeah, she's won it.
0: Okay, so we go to that eighth end, though, like you said, it's a little sloppy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stones in play in the eighth.
1: Yeah, it was. Sl- I guess it was sloppy on both sides, right, because Mayberg throws, like, a really high guard, uh, Weagle tries to tap it, and and kind of like taps it straight back so it's just in the in the house or just outside the house and it's still like a center guard right. so it's kind of like they gave Sweden two center guards
0: yeah because then you see because you see it, it, sort of in that end there's this high one that's on the hog, on the hog line, line and that's and the Wiggle stone yeah and it was in a position where it's probably not going to get in the way of a draw it's probably close enough to the center line there but could easily get in the way of hits
1: yeah and we saw it almost did you know yeah. uh, a couple times in that end so yeah and then so the peels were made really well uh, they were able to get the rocks far enough off the center line and Sweden just sort of had to go and go hard and wasn't able to get the finish and as I mentioned earlier on that last stone that Rachel threw to to win the game was basically a, a board weight takeout and uh listening to them after the game you know Nolan Deason was there coaching this week and he came down and he said I thought it was on the guard like, <laughs> I, I thought yeah. it was gone and right. you know Joanne Courtney he just held it held it like a champ so yeah, they were able to pull one out, and you know, in the case that they give up a steal of one, then they still have the draw to the button to win. So yeah, they were playing a little loose, and you know, able to to make the shot and come out with three for the win.
0: Yeah, and uh, more stones than you would want in play. You say that, well, you know, you have the draw to the button after if you give up the the steal. I mean, Rachel Holman threw sixty nine percent on her draws today, so yeah. it's not something that you necessarily want to go into. No. Uh, but yeah more stones than you'd expect. That last hit the fact that it was kind of a pick too I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Cause they have that stone just behind the T line but you know credit to them. They come through they make it. Great sweeping by Joanne Courtney mm-hmm. and definitely maybe the most underrated player in the world. Joanne Courtney for what she can do. Yeah yeah. On shots like that.
1: And like I said uh, they sometimes when she's throwing she, she'll doubt herself and She's good enough. She shouldn't, right? But she, like, you do miss, and then you start to, oh, did I dump it? It seems to me like she plays with it a little bit when she lets it go. But uh, she's obviously super important to this team, and I, I don't think they would be at the level they are without her.
0: No, for sure, a- absolutely not. So they come through a seven to three win. If you look at the numbers for this game, as I said, Rachel Holman only sixty nine percent on drives, but she only threw four of them. So mm-hmm. overall, she threw eighty three percent. Great day for the hits Anna Hasselberg down at 67% overall really tough to match somebody's throwing 83% 67% Emma Miskew with a 94% game yeah gain. she was pretty on fire 100% on her draws that's the Emma Miskew that when she's throwing like that this team is pretty much unbeatable you're right and uh so a 7-3 to win for them because uh Sarah McManus throws 86% yeah Sarah on.
1: McManus one of the best uh, players in the world she she's-
0: had a really good game but just couldn't couldn't match so a seven to three win so really a vintage week for Rachel Holman if you look at the numbers plus 31 on the score differential very impressive on that the 47% on the hammer efficiency which isn't great neither is the 50% on the force efficiency but if you look overall at the numbers they steal 16 times only give up four steals very impressive there 12 deuces uh, a three, a couple threes, one four, one more than four. Uh, so very impressive there. They gave up one three, nothing more than a three. Mm-hmm. So overall, you're looking at a plus 31 for the week. So the numbers in terms of the scoring is very uh, efficient, with the possible exception that you might want that last stone efficient to be efficiency to
1: be a hair higher, uh, and the force efficiency maybe too. but. The the force efficiency is the one that I think uh, would trouble them, but yeah. you know, uh, not much is troubling them. They're going home uh, champions this week. That right. I I didn't understand. Now this is a game I didn't watch because uh, I was uh, asleep. But they <laughs> lost. Uh, they lost to Korea. Their only loss of right. the week was to this young Korean team, and that was Korea's only win, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I saw an interview with the Korean skip uh, saying, oh, Rachel Holman's team is like our idols, and to play against them the first time, you know, we were really nervous. But then to come back the second game against them and and beat them, I I was shocked to wake up and see that. And so do you think that was maybe a little bit of taking the foot off the gas? Because it did put Canada in a position where they needed to beat the U.S. in their final game.
0: Yeah, maybe we've seen Rachel Holman's team do that before, it could also be a situation where we've all, as we've also seen that the ice they couldn't figure out the ice mm-hmm. that day. We'll talk about it when we get to the men. But Peter de Bruisa's team was pretty vocal this week yeah. uh, about the ice conditions mm-hmm. over there. So it, it could have been a situation where they just they they just couldn't get the ice that day.
1: I thought I heard Rachel Holman say something about her her knee being sore or her leg being sore. So oh yeah, I, you know that could be just uh, me speculating something I heard on Mike, but. Um, You know, maybe you know, first event of the year. You've played four games already. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, it's it's tough, right? It
0: is, Uh, but what's I mean, if you look at it too, I mean, the first time they played, Canada won twelve to nothing. Yeah, yeah, it was a beatdown. It was really like just sort of a complete blowout. And then you're right; they come back and uh, lose to the Korean team in. The draw on uh, the draw thirteen uh, at noon on the fifteenth uh, in, in China. Yeah, they lose that game eight to two. Yeah, a little surprising. It was uh, and it was on the same sheet too that they beat them. That they beat them twelve to nothing. Twelve to nothing. So uh, a little surprising there. Yeah, but we've seen the Holman team sort of relax. Have a little at, mental at times. mental vacation. Yeah, in the middle of an event, and it, it could just be. I mean the Korean teams obviously this isn't the team we saw at the Olympics but I mean Korean curling is pretty good and you just beat them 12 to nothing I could see sort of being like all right we got this and yeah. the Koreans uh, not wanting that to happen again No that's true So it could just be you know they they come out they're zoned in ready to play their best game
1: Canada's maybe a little relaxed, and all of a sudden you're down, and there That's, you go, it's it, eight to two. It's like the uh, the thing in in sports, uh, you know, you win the championship, then everyone's chasing you for the next time, right? So, right, uh, they bring their best game against you. If you're the Super Bowl champion, everybody's going to give you their best. It's not uh, a case of taking a game off like you could if you were playing, say, the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, and circle the wagon. Real quick, let's touch on the American team there. Uh, uh, Nina Roth, like I said, uh, had to beat Rachel Holman in her last game in order to tie and have a, a draw shootout to, uh, to make the final, uh, wasn't able to do it. And it seemed to me like Nina Roth had a couple chances this week to make big draws and came up heavy hmm. uh, each time. So uh, whether her sweepers weren't giving her the same info, she was getting tricked by certain paths. I don't know, but both the games they lost to the Canadians, that's what happened. Uh, there were big steals by Team Canada that sort of put the game out of reach.
0: Yeah, so if you look here at this, the game that you're talking about, that last game against Team Canada, uh, Nina Roth. Gets a deuce in third to go up 2-1. Mm-hmm. Rachel Holman gets it right back and then steals of 2-2-1. Yeah. So 5 nothing in the second half of the game. Nina Roth throws 50% on her takeouts in that game. Yeah, a, a real struggle for her. And let's be honest, though,
1: something we've seen out of Nina Roth before. Right. And, and yeah, I, I mean, they handled se- seemingly everybody else they handled. Uh, they did lose one game, I think, to Russia. Uh, I could be wrong, but... Uh, they lost two big games to the Canadians, and that's why they weren't able to make the, the final. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, back to the drawing board a bit for, for Team Roth, but uh, I'm, I'm sure they're a little disappointed with their one World Cup uh, appearance for the season.
0: I think you, they would have to be, yeah. So they lose 9-1 to the Canadians in addition to that loss. That game they shook after five. Yeah, so it's a real tough game there for them if they look at the rest of them they beat the Koreans there a couple times and then against the uh who are we looking for here Scott we're looking for give me the competition matrix there Sean I'm looking at, I'm looking at the competition summary here with all of the games listed yeah so they lose 8 to 4 to Russia there on the 15th which of course was
1: Friday? One, of Sat- the, Friday? one of
0: the day. Saturday. Friday for us. Friday for us. Saturday for them. So they had a tough Saturday. They lose their the two games on Saturday. So tough, yeah, a tough finish there for Nina Roth to finish third in the pool. Uh, or tie for second in the pool. They have her listed here third.
1: Yeah, I think they lost on at the tie break, whatever that was. So, yeah, yeah a tough week. But, uh, you know, congratulations to Team Canada. And let's... Let's uh, go over our picks. Yeah, so if we go back to the picks. We, <laughs> this is a bloodbath
0: this time. Uh, on the women's side, uh, so I had the Swedish team beating the Russians in a rather uh, a bit of an upset there, just Ooh. thinking that the Russians would come through with a big week. Scotty, you had Rachel Holman beating Anna Hasselberg.
1: Holy cow, look out.
0: So there you go. So, Scott, you get three points. Three big points. For the women's final there, and I get one point.
1: One point for having Anna Hasselberg there. Yeah. You really went out on a limb with that one. I did. As did I, I I suppose, you know. Uh, Yeah, those are the best two teams there. They showed it this week, you know. Uh, We're going to talk about the men's field, and that one was a little bit upside down, so... Uh, good to see some consistency there in the women's field. You know, Fujisawa, Japan, they had a good week. Uh, we've talked a bit about the other teams. You know, Anna Sidorova coming back uh, into the into the limelight. Mm-hmm. She hasn't been gone, but, you know, uh, getting back into the swing of big games. So uh, it was a fun women's event, but let's talk about the men's event. Yeah,
0: so we move on to the men's event. This one, uh, a lot more to talk about, I think, in the men's event.
1: Maybe not even for who was there,
0: as for who wasn't there. But let's talk about the game itself, the the final. Uh, Canada, Kevin Cooey going up. Uh, a bit of a surprise. Uh, team Norway making it to the final. Team Wallstead uh, with a really good week for them getting through to the final with a 5-1 and one record. Yeah,
1: they had an amazing week. And they're the kind of team that is definitely capable of it. Uh, it's just we've seen Thomas Olsrud come out of Norway for so long that not a lot of people are familiar. But a couple of years ago, Stefan Walstad, they went to the World Championships mm-hmm. uh, for Norway, and they had a great season. So, you know, they're obviously a very good team, and they showed it this week. They really came to play and uh, and make a name for themselves.
0: They they really did. So if we look at this final, though, 6-5 uh, um, to five Canada wins wasn't really that close though I uh,
1: didn't even if, know it was six to five yeah. I, I watched the highlights this morning and if you told me that I would have said really because yeah. because <laughs> they they seemed to just take control early yes uh, they got a big three in the second end yep. is it and they were just in control from there uh, Wallstead was chasing the whole game. Uh, it wasn't they weren't able to generate multiple points really until that last end Cooey just ran them out of rocks uh, yeah so the they end, actually so. They,
0: yeah so they didn't get a multiple all day yeah uh, in this game That's three the Canada scores uh, so on Stefan Wallstead's last one he comes up short on a draw it didn't curl enough right yeah and then uh, Kevin Cooey has a pick essentially for three but that stone if you look at it Kevin Cooey's got three in sort of the top left part of the House and then there's the Norwegian stone just behind them, it was open enough that Kevin Cooey, he threw the weight that if it curls more and you hit almost all of what you can see of it, it's for four. Yeah. So the shot that Kevin Cooey makes for three, you could argue that it was a miss. I, I mean, they get three could, out of it, yeah. but it was a shot for four. And then in the third end, uh, Stefan Walstead has to draw the button against two. Kevin Cooey was a little heavy, on his last one gives him the button Kevin Cooey's two feet higher Walsett might not have a shot
1: no and that could be a steal at two if he's two feet higher right exactly
0: so So, but he makes it all credit to him Uh, and then in the fifth he has to hit against four Canadian stones Mm -hmm. for his single there Uh, in the sixth it seemed like that was the end where the Norwegians have put the most pressure on Kevin Cooey. Kevin Cooey has to make a tap on a stone top 12 foot yeah. pretty much at the center line back in almost over curls. Yeah. A good job there by flash to hold it and then Hebert to sweep it once it's been
1: tapped. Yeah they made um, it by probably 2-3
0: inches. Yeah didn't know. make that shot by a lot there so uh, a good good recovery there and then in the 7th Kevin Cooey in Canada completely in control there forcing Stephen Wallstead again to draw against two. And then in the eighth end, it's a steal, but that's because uh, <laughs> it was wide open. Yeah, wide Kevin Curry hit. had a wide open hit, and he just hit and rolled out uh, without really much care to it. So the steal of one there makes it six to five, but I mean, coming home, Canada's up to with the hammer. Not really much doubt in this game once that three was scored.
1: No, once that three was scored, like I said, uh, Wallstead was chasing and and Cooey was able to make the shots to force him to chase, you know. Yeah. Uh, their team uh, played really well. I was doubtful, as were you, that they would come together so fast. I, I mean, after the first game, they won. Uh, and Cooey said, yeah, we practiced together, like, once. You know, right, it was yeah. like it was like John Morris and Caitlin Laws, right? Yeah. Yeah uh, I look
0: I look forward now to the Steve Simmons article <laughs> talking about how this event is a joke too and it shouldn't count because if these teams can just come together without playing together then clearly it doesn't count clearly get, it doesn't get rid count. of it yeah.
1: yeah yeah oh man Steve Simmons uh, uh, <laughs> so yeah they, I mean maybe this is the move Sean maybe we just shouldn't practice together
0: and you just go out and you play. Yeah,
1: it's just that easy. It's, it's that easy. Yeah. For these yeah. Now Canadian to be teams. to be
0: fair, it's not like these guys don't know each other's releases and throws. I mean, they've played each other enough on yes. tour. Yes, um, they, they've seen each other. They know what it's all about. So it's it's not surprising that they had a good week.
1: Uh, and if you look at the numbers, they had a very good week. You know, but like I'm actually surprised. I'm genu- genuinely surprised. Well, neither
0: of us had neither of us picked them to be in the right. final,
1: so obviously we're surprised by it. But I think I'm I'm hearkening back, Sean, to when Kevin Cooey dumped his last team. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. That's what happened. He dumped his last team and yeah. and formed this n- new team with Kennedy Hebert and Brent Lang, and they really struggled out of the gate. Yes, they did. <coughs> and you can argue, oh yeah, they knew each other too, right? They they were had played against each other for years, and in Alberta, those three guys. So, but I think the difference with that
0: team and this team is you had the positional change and Lang going from being a front end player to trying to play third, hmm. which didn't work because they switched it back. But yeah. I think that was part of the struggle is that you had three front end players. And it had to figure out who was going to be that back-end player. And obviously it ended up being Kennedy, which was clearly the right decision. Right. But it took them time to get to that point. Whereas here you have Brendan Neufeldt, um, as we learned his name, uh, coming in. He's been a third for a long time. And he's been a third with this skip who, at least personality-wise on the ice, does not seem that dissimilar to Kevin Cooey. Okay. Uh, Mike McEwen might be a little more... Emotional outwardly, yeah. Than Kevin Cooey is, but a quieter guy who will take it all in, and it seems like he just sort of sits back and, and will listen to people. But when he makes up his mind, knows what he's going to do. What he's doing, yeah. So I think that's a, a big deal. And plus, with Colton Flash, the younger guy who's been a front end guy before comes in, knows how to play a front end. I think just in terms of people finding their positions and knowing what to do. It's a bit of an easier transition than what we had four years ago for Kevin Cooey.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. It's it's sort of for me personalities. You know, anytime you get new personalities coming together, it's going to be different. So uh, in that respect, I am surprised that they were able to do so well. But but Sean, the biggest news coming out of this men's draw is what happened to uh, Team Viking. Yeah. So
0: Nick Eden, this is definitely the biggest story to come out of this. They had a Just a terrible, terrible week. Starting in the first game, losing to the Americans and the persinger Rohan team. A a bit of a shocker there uh, coming out of the gate. And then it just gets worse. Rasmus Rana gets hurt. He can't play in either of the games on, I believe it was Thursday, Mm -hmm. that he had to sit out. And the team is just... (laughs) They just didn't have a chance.
1: So, did they play with four, three players? They
0: played with three players yeah. on Thursday without Rasmus Rand, which is interesting because everyone always complains now that when people are sweeping, it's only one person sweeping. Right. <laughs> anyway. Right. But it mattered here, and they they can't pick themselves up off the mat. They end up going three and three for the event, but they were one and two for, through that first. First three, three games, games and, yeah. and as we'll talk about that's it that's you're, it you're pretty much done at that point yeah and uh so yeah so a really tough break for them hopefully Rasmus Rana is okay mm-hmm. and is good enough to play next week because they're scheduled for the Elite 10 to play right but that just really sets them off on the wrong foot mm-hmm. and uh yeah they they took a gut punch in that first game, and really couldn't recover through the rest of the week.
1: No, they like you like you say that was a, a real tough start, and I mean, overall they were minus eight for the week. And yeah. if you'd told me that, oh, the, some team is going to be negative points, I think I would have gone all the way up the list yeah. until I got to Team Sweden. You know? Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah. And they they're yeah like and you can't recover the game against the USA. Uh, I think it was Persinger made like a tap for. Like a raise, right. takeout for four or something, and uh, it was, it was just like a, an awesome shot that he yeah. made, and I, I tweeted after that one like, "Oops, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, picks off to a good start, eh?" Yeah, what happens to the picks now? So it's... yeah, like, but but you know, in their pool, Wallstead played really well. Uh, mm-hmm. Team Team Persinger, Team Ronan. Uh, we'll do some research one day, guys, and we'll get your we'll get you your names, names right. But today's not, <laughs> not the day. I was up too late watching yeah. the women. But uh, they played a pretty pretty well all week. Uh, their last game, they really needed to win in uh, in regulation. Maybe their second last game, and he uh, tried to play a, a crazy sort of what was it, like a split tap right. that was it, way, it, way high yeah. in the house. And, you know, I admire them going for it. But. Well, you got to go for it. you got to be aggressive and,
0: and go for it. You absolutely do. Yeah. Um, but they they had a great start. They were 2-0. and Yeah. Uh, and then couldn't manage to sort of get back, and they lost the last four. But certainly a great start for them. And, mm. uh, uh, you know, but you want I mean, we see this at the Scotties and the Briar every year where someone like Jamie Murphy can come out and have a good start. Uh, but just can't sustain, sustain it, it. Yeah. through the course of the week, and that seems like that's what happened here with the uh, with the American team, the Chinese team, going two and four a little bit, maybe a surprise there. Um, the other thing that surprised me, I think, uh, the Swiss team, Peter de Cruz, they go three and three in their pool in in Group B, and they were vocal. They were not pleased with the ice conditions. No, It seemed like a lot of talk about frost. The reports were that it was hot and humid.
1: Very uh, humid there, yeah. Which
0: is, I mean, having spent time in the summer in China, granted I was in Beijing, this is in Suzhou, but it's hot and humid there. Yeah. That's what it is. So it's not surprising that the weather was like that, but they were very vocal about frost and not really figuring out the ice conditions. Almost like what we saw with Rachel Holman a little bit, I felt, in the Olympics. In the Olympics, yeah. Where it just got in their heads and they couldn't quite figure it out. So they go 3-3 three and three. there. The Scottish team, 4-2, and two. they had a chance going into the last day, yeah. the last draw. Uh, couldn't quite pull it off.
1: Yeah, Bruce uh, Mawet is how I learned to pronounce it. Uh, so, so their team, yeah, uh, man, they they were playing really well. Uh, if they had won uh, their last game against the, the Swiss, and he had a chance, he had a, a draw, and missed it, but they they would have been in the draw tiebreaker uh, with Canada, so all four players would throw draws to the button, and they measure total distance. Right, which is uh, kind of a
0: fun way to do it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And Canada did theirs because they played the draw before. Yeah. Their total distance from the pin was 14.1 yeah, centimeters. 14-something something.
0: It's insane how like, close they were.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't think, if you gave me one shot, you
0: I don't, don't think, think you I could get within 14. Like, that's really, really close. Yeah. Is, like, it's half of a school. Like, you know, in school when you got the rulers, those are 30 centimeters. Yeah. It's like half of that for four shots. four guys, yeah. Like, that's insane.
1: And they did come up with a way to measure rocks that are touching the pin. Now, you measure from the edge of the 12 foot. Right. Uh, So you do get, you know, covering the pin doesn't count for zero, but still, holy crap. that's Yeah, that
0: makes it more impressive. Yeah that it doesn't count for zero. Yeah. You're still only at 14. That is uh, that is pretty, pretty solid. But overall, when you look at the numbers, it was Canada-Norway all the way. Canada plus 28 on points. Norway plus 23. Uh, really just the the two best teams this week. The thing that's most impressive to me, Kevin Cooey and company, 58% on the efficiency with the hammer hammer, and a force efficiency of 73 percent they give up four deuces nothing more than a deuce they only give up 23 points in seven games very impressive there
1: that's pretty amazing and and considering that all of their players except for maybe ben hebert are hitters right really good hitters yeah you know that's what you'd expect from that kind of team So uh, congratulations to them for sure And and go to our picks, Sean So if we go
0: to the picks uh, This did not really go well uh, for us, Scotty
1: Well, neither of Um, us picked Canada Neither
0: of us picked Canada Make it into the final We were skeptical of the first time playing together Plus the Scottish and the Swiss in that pool We thought that was the better of the Mm -hmm. two pools So you had the Scottish team winning the event Beating Sweden I had the uh, Swiss team Beating Sweden. Wow! <laughs> so uh, we both liked nicotine. Nothing uh, happens there. Neither of us had Norway coming out of that pool. Neither of us had Canada out of pool B. So no points on the men's. We are tied Oof. three to three after the first event of the season.
1: Wow, Sean! I think, I think I was loudest in saying obviously Sweden is going to win that yes, pool. Like were firm on that. Like there, there's no chance they don't. And, uh, you know, I was eating a little bit of humble pie. Yeah. So uh, apologies to uh, Norway, the U.S., and uh, uh, less so to China. But uh, I always apologize to China. I apologize, China. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, uh, it's cool to see that things are possible.
0: Yeah, so this is sort of what you want with the, an event like this. And so if we look at it in its totality, this yeah, first leg... Yeah, I've got a
1: few questions okay. here about, uh, about the totality, but you tell me your thoughts first. So
0: one of the things that really stood out to me, you know, when, when you say, like, well, apologies to these teams, uh, maybe it's because they were hanging out and talking to each other, but Laura Walker and Rachel Holman in their post-game interviews today both said that this was cutthroat yeah <laughs> there's a cutthroat event kevin cooey made reference to it as well that it's weird to go to an event and if you lose two games you're probably out mm-hmm. so that having not watched all the games i don't know necessarily if that added that much pressure to it but I, or if it made it to like oh we we've lost nicotine we're one and two well okay done. whatever uh and if it maybe if it's possible that it has the opposite effect of making it less interesting once you lose a game or two, right. or if it just has the high stakes throughout the whole event. I don't know, but the way it played out, nobody nobody went five and one and didn't get in. Right. So that's probably a good thing. The potential for that, of course, is there. We almost had that with Scotland, but overall, that... I'll be curious to see how that plays out in Omaha, mm-hmm. uh, which is the next one in December, where the field might be even more wide open.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. So of the things I wrote down here for this event, uh, I wanted to get your impressions. Yes. Uh, so we'll do this quick, quick header, uh, and uh, go from there. So the timing rule. Yeah. What was your impressions of the timing rule? Did it change the play at all? Didn't seem like it changed it at
0: all to me. I know, I think it was Nick Eden and Peter DeCruz did talk about it, that they felt that it was sort of an interesting change Mm -hmm. and that they didn't dislike it, but that maybe it did force a little bit change in the pace. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I'm ready to make a determination one way or the other on it. I like it. I think it's a good first step. I'd like to see a larger sample size, though. And potentially to see how it plays out in games that maybe have more stakes. Right? Okay. This is the first event of the year. It's September. It's it was whatever, Stinkin 40 degrees of, outside. Yeah. Maybe not quite into the feel and the flow of it yet. See what happens when we get into games where there's a little more at stake.
1: Okay. There, there was, of course, one team that ran out of uh, time. I think it was the Koreans uh, in the doubles. Okay. Uh, It was either doubles, maybe women's. I I can't remember, but uh, so we did see one team run at a time, and had to give up a a two-point end.
0: Right, but if it was in the doubles, I mean that rule has already been there for the doubles, so that's not that big of a. Not so different. Yeah.
1: Okay. What about the five rock rule? Any did it change anything? Didn't seem like it at all.
0: (laughs) Based on the scoring, you know, we'd have to do a fuller a fuller analysis of the scoring, but if you look at it, I mean, singles were still the most prominent scoring. If you look at the men's total overall, you have 262 points scored in this event. Uh, In terms of the total ends that are played, you have uh, 87 ends in which people are forced versus 48 ends for twos, 15 with threes, and eight with more. Uh, than three, so it's, you know, forces are still the, the most common form of scoring mm-hmm. here uh, with blank ends, 20 blank ends overall. Canada was involved, it seems like, in the most blank ends. A lot of eight. blank ends, yeah. But if you look at it, still forces and blanks are the most common sure. result of an end. doesn't really then feel like that the five rock rule had that much of an intended effect. Maybe a little more threes and fours than yeah. you would otherwise expect yeah. but on the whole doesn't seem to have made that big of a deal
1: yeah from my point of view it it, it didn't seem like it changed the game that much you know uh, it didn't seem like people were employing new strategies but yeah. of course all these teams uh would have played with the five rock rule on the tour yep on the grand slam events last year yep. so uh yeah, not that big a deal to me. Uh, next thing I have written down here is the ice conditions. We touched on it a little bit already. Yep. Uh, to me, the Swiss team was the only team I heard complaining. I, yeah. I mean, it was a little bit uh, tricky, of course. Some places uh, it was curling a lot. Some spots it was running a bit straighter. But overall, the ice team did an amazing job Yeah. Uh, with, with what was going on. Yeah, did you anything- could see
0: the frost on the ice, but no different than what we've seen. At some world championships, mm-hmm. even in Canada, in, yeah. you know, men's world championships in April. So, yeah,
1: qu- all credit to those uh, ice folks over there. And uh, then sort of hand-in-hand hand with the ice was the venue. What did you think of the venue?
0: Seemed like a really nice building. Yeah. Um, over there at Suzhou. And uh, I'm always struck by the way the World Curling Federation sets up their venues. Mm-hmm. Having the coaches that far up it, and not on the ice, it always looks different. And it reminded me a little of the Korean building from the Olympics as well, in that the crowd was elevated above, right? We're used to, in Canada, all the events taking place in hockey arenas, and (coughs) therefore the crowd is right on top Mm -hmm. of the play. So in this one, you don't see the crowd at all in in the, the, the shots, but I mean from a fan perspective, I like sitting higher anyway. So if I was Mm -hmm. in that building, I probably would have enjoyed that. So I wonder if the players, no one really made a a mention of it, whether or not it matters to them, Mm -hmm. the crowd being that far away. Kevin Cooey did say that he enjoyed that there were fans there (laughs) at the men's final. But it it seemed like a really nice facility and uh, a place where maybe – we see a, a world championship the next time it goes to China.
1: Yeah, we could. And and uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the crowd. You know, it was pretty sparse all week, as you would expect, in a non-traditional curling uh, location dealing with uh, non-traditional curling weather outside. In a non-traditional curling event. Sure. Right, it's a new event. It's a new event. Right. right? But, uh, but like Kevin Cooey mentioned, the crowd was there for the final, did seem to be into it so uh, a great opportunity to hashtag grow the game
0: yes there you go
1: and uh overall i think it was pretty fun so yeah uh, and,
0: and don't be surprised to see the world curling federation go back to china obviously they're going back to beijing for the final leg of this in the spring mm-hmm. but in the lead up to the olympics in 2022 oh, big i'd time. be surprised if we don't see maybe this being if this curling world cup works and they do it annually there will be an event in china Every Every year, year. maybe not the final every year, but there will be at least one event in China. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a world championship in China in the lead up to the Olympics as well. Of course. If if not even a a world juniors or something else, as the test event once they Mm -hmm. alter the water cube cube. into the ice cube. Freeze it up. they'll, They'll have to have that test event in there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see multiple world championships in China over the next. Quadrennial,
1: absolutely, and we know the test event for the Olympics is usually the World Juniors the year before. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the- so all
0: you like sixteen-year-old curlers, you know, make sure you try and win your provinces in 2021 in that lead-up, right. so you get that trip to China. Free trip to China, it's better than having to go to. Moose <laughs> for a world championship. I love Moose but
1: Yeah, yeah Moose you your your jam. Yeah, like. but I mean, Beijing's pretty cool. So. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, what did you think of the field and any of the new teams uh, overall that we saw this week?
0: Uh, it was tough to get a feel for any of them because of the Cause time of change. the time So we yeah. didn't see as much as I would have liked to. Uh, obviously, the biggest one for me is that... Eve Muirhead wasn't there mm-hmm. for Team Scotland. They still had a pretty good week on the women's side for not having the skip there. Mm. Um, so that's a bit of a, a a good sign. I think that the team still was able to play well. I think obviously Kevin Cooey can't complain. New team can't about complain about the the new team there. Uh, otherwise, nothing really stood out to me. What about you?
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say you know uh, seeing Cooey win. We already talked about this a bit. So. Uh, seeing Cui win with his new team was pretty good. Uh, overall, the field, to me, if we really want to grow the game, like it was cool to see different teams, like different teams from China, different teams from Korea, than the teams that we usually see. Yep. Of course, there were some players like uh, on the Chinese men's team. It's it's not Rui Liu, but some of his players right. are are on the team yep. that competed there. So, uh, it's it's really good to see teams that you don't see at world championships every year getting a chance to compete on a national stage sure and getting some experience doing it so to me overall it was pretty good i liked that it was a double round robin because Mm -hmm. you got to see the same team twice you know like the korean women's team you know avenge a a devastating (laughs) loss yeah uh so that to me i think it was pretty cool like the the way that the field worked and the format worked uh, to me was good
0: Yeah, and I think if you're going to have pool play, this is the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, yeah, you could add another game and just have a single round robin. But I did like the the double round robin. It does add something different. Rachel Holman said that in her post-game comments as well. Sort of, it's something that you don't see elsewhere. So if you're going to come up with a new event, why not just have a new format and give this a go? Give it a go. Uh, And, yeah, so, again, small sample size. I'd be curious to see how it plays out. At the next couple mm-hmm. uh, in Omaha and then over in Sweden, but for the first one, I'm I'm impressed with that format.
1: Yeah, and the the next ones, the time zone will be a little more friendly for watching here in North America. Yeah, so. it's gonna have to.
0: It's gonna be a two-screener event though, because it's gonna be going up against the Canada Cup. Oh. so it's gonna be a double TV type situation, and hopefully there's no geo blocking or anything. It'll be interesting. I mean, TSN picked this one up here. What are they gonna do in the next one? Yeah, when it's going up against the Canada
1: the Cup. Canada Cup, yeah. I guess it's going to be a
0: TSN one-two situation. Might be, might so. be. I, I
1: was a little, I was a little annoyed sometimes when TSN was showing the game and I couldn't watch it on YouTube. Right. And I couldn't even watch the highlights. Or not, I could watch the highlights, but not the full game this morning right. of the the men's final. So, you know, eventually, Curling Canada, I'm sure, will allow it to be uh, on their YouTube channel, but.
0: Yeah, well, it seemed like this was rushed. I mean, CSN, it was announced that they were going to show the games, what, on Tuesday or yeah. Monday? So that it seemed like that if there's a place to really fault the World Curling Federation in this, it's getting the broadcast things all lined up. I mean, mm-hmm. they announced this back in the spring, and you would think almost on the announcement that they would have already had plans in place for the broadcasting. They announced that they were going to do coverage on the sure. YouTube channel last week, and then in Canada, they announced TSN this week. NBC Sports, I think, announced late last week as well. Yeah, there were with, a few games. Yeah, that they showed some stuff. They also geo-blocked, uh, I saw on Twitter, some of our American friends saying that the YouTube stuff had been geo-blocked by NBC. Uh, but then NBC, I guess, taped delayed some games. <laughs> some people can correct me on this if I'm wrong. So maybe not the best situation mm-hmm. for American fans. And, and there was some confusion last night I saw on Twitter As well as to where to find the game, Uh, I guess it was on the Olympic Channel, and other people were going to the NBC Sports or looking at it online. And where could they find it? So maybe not as clearly communicated in terms of the broadcasting, both in Canada and the United States, as you would have liked. Right. But and 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 if they're not broadcasting, I'd be curious to see what they did in China because. The ordinary Chinese citizen can't go on can't YouTube. go on YouTube. Yeah. So how are they broadcasting and how are they communicating to the Chinese fans? Yeah. That I'd be curious to see how that went as
1: as well. Yeah. Maybe we'll uh, try to find that out. So my next thing here, Sean, was broadcast experience. So we've, we've talked a little <laughs> yes, bit. We talked it. about that. Yeah. Uh, but what did you think of the commentators? We had Rona Howie, uh, Rona, better known as Rona Martin. Yeah,
0: I really like her. She's, I think she's really good. Really, really good. Uh, both in the the color position, but also in the post-game. Interviewing, yeah. Yeah, she asks really good questions. Uh, The fact that she asks questions is even a step (laughs) up from what we get in this country sometimes. Uh, But, yeah, I think she's really good at at asking questions. Sometimes they're leading, but oftentimes they're they're pretty good. Uh, The fact that they only show the interviews with the winners, I mean, it's easier to interview winners than it is to interview the people that lose. But I think she does a, a, a really, really good job, and... Uh, in terms of the play-by-play you take it or leave it
1: Uh, yeah Um, it's fine i i was asking you before what's the name of the man who does it because he says his name at the beginning of the broadcast excuse me but he says it so fast that i can't uh pick it up and then they never chiron it they never uh say it again (laughs) throughout the whole game yeah rona doesn't say like oh uh so-and-so what do you think like right. there's none of that there's yeah uh so if anybody knows please please yeah. tell me uh but i think it's great i think they do a good job uh and to be honest it's like one of the m- most fun watching experiences i kind of prefer it mm. even to Sportsnet. okay uh tsn is still top of the list right but, uh yeah, it's it's at least on par with the Sportsnet broadcaster.
0: Yeah, and I think the World Curling Federation has improved in the production value as well. Yeah, right. What we I remember as a kid, and even ten years ago, watching international world championships where the TSN crew wasn't there, just the camera angles were weird.
1: Yeah, uh, they would go not from the overhead all the time. They still do it a little bit, where you somebody throws a shot, and then it's like. A shot of a sh- or a shot of the skips face and you're like well right. what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay
0: right but they have come a long way in in figuring out how to broadcast yeah and how to produce all that and yeah. how to put it all together it seems like they have more cameras uh and high def certainly this helps yeah so i, I kind of like the way the building looked in terms of the color scheme that yeah. they picked i like the rings uh, I like the scoreboards and all that. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked really slick. Yeah, so a really good job by the World Curling Federation and the the broadcast side of it. I thought.
1: I think so too. And and so my last the last uh, question, comment, uh, talking point, whatever, is uh, the players' reactions throughout yes. the week. So I watched uh, all these finals yesterday, and. It, nobody seemed very excited when they won. <laughs> no. You know when the world championships <laughs> happen and they throw their brooms in the air yes. and they were like shaking hands with the other team. Oh, good game, good game. And then we're like, hey, like, yeah, we won.
0: Right on. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think BJ Newfeld immediately turned to the camera and was like, yeah, hey, everybody, back home. and um,
1: <laughs> As if it was a round robin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: the Holman team sort of hugged. Um, yeah. Then Myers and Walker were like, they they shook hands and were like, all right, that was nice. So yeah, it makes you question. That's why I wonder too, like with the timing stuff, if there's stakes involved, Just right. the fact that the reactions were as minimal as they were. They're a bit muted. Yeah. Would, would make you wonder, uh, what the, they think about this whole thing. The do you,
1: do you think maybe they're wary of, Oh, I got to come back to China in May?
0: Maybe it's possible <laughs> that they're still all jet lagged. Yeah. And the the thought of going back <laughs> maybe seems like a bit much at this point, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And and maybe it's because the money situation hasn't been fully explained. Maybe that's why. Uh, or uh, I, I just don't know. Or, well, you know,
1: first event of the year, right?
0: Yeah, it feels like, I mean, we're recording this before the Shorty Jenkins is done, but the Shorty Jenkins is considered a get-your-legs-under-you spiel. Right. That's going on concurrently <laughs> with this World Cup event. And, I mean, everyone tries the Shorty Jenkins, but... Mm-hmm that's sort of the reaction that, that you would have after winning the shorty jenkins spiel so it it seems like for these teams it was just a better competition shorty jenkins yeah uh so yeah maybe we'll see something different in omaha or, or in sweden when these things ramp up but as an early season event the reaction was we just won an early season event
1: yeah yeah and they, the players did talk all week about, uh, you know, the venue being really nice, the hotel being super, super nice, uh, really close uh, by. So, you know, I think uh, overall the event was a real, uh, was really well received by the players. Yeah. Uh, from what I've seen. So maybe they're... Uh, muted responses, a little more to the oh well. Now, now I got to leave my cushy five-star hotel. You know, I've been getting great meals all all week, and yep. oh man, now we got to go home. So uh, maybe that maybe that's it. But overall impressions of the event, I think we liked it. We're excited to see the next one. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, so far, so good for the experiment. Absolutely. Are, do you think we'll be uh, trying to get media badges for the next event in Soj- Suzhou? S- Suzhou, maybe. Hey. Uh, why
0: not? Or, or maybe we could go to Beijing. Now we're confirmed oh. to have three Canadian teams there. Right on. Uh, make a trip over to Beijing for Beijing that. in
1: May. All right, I'll clear my schedule there. there. You go, There's so uh I I did see... I was wondering where Suzhou was, right? Because yes. it's not a, a city that I think of when I think of China. Right. But it's got 10 million people. Small town. Small town. <laughs> Small town.
0: I, I will say this, because so in Xi'an, China, where they yeah. found the Terracotta Warriors not that long ago, when I was there, our tour guide said that she had gone to... Uh, either Beijing or Shanghai, I can't remember, for a short period of time, but moved home to Xi'an, where the population is around 8 to 10 million people in yeah. that range, because she liked the small, small town, town feel. <laughs> feel of it more. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's all about scale and scope. Yeah, yeah. So 10 million is actually considered a small town in China.
1: And so and so, Suzhou is, like, basically beside Shanghai. Yeah. there, I would call it maybe an exurb, Okay. Uh, as opposed to a suburb, right? But it, uh, today on the broadcast, they said it was a hundred kilometers from Shanghai, which sounded to me like far. But then I thought about hundred kilometers; so it's not that it's far. It's not that far. On the
0: trains, you could probably commute. Yeah, because the train system's pretty good there. You got a high speed train too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's outside of Shanghai. Shanghai. It's not. I mean, it's not dissimilar to, say, like what. I mean, it's closer than London is to Toronto. And it's, right? c- it's like, closer so,
1: than Montreal and Ottawa, even, so... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so in North American terms, and Chinese, I mean, China's huge, right? Like, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's close. I mean, it's far for Europe.
1: Yes. Right, so... Yes. Uh,
0: but overall, yeah, a, a pretty cool place, and, uh, yeah, that part of China, when you think of it, like, Shanghai is this very metropolitan, modern city, mm-hmm. and Beijing is sort of a, a city that's more... Intermittent, sort of, there's the modern parts of it, but they've preserved a lot of stuff as well, right? And sort of Suzhou seems more on that modern side of things, yeah, absolutely. um, So, yeah, so kudos to the World Curling Federation, good job by everybody in Suzhou as well. Probably gonna get another event based off of this initial one, yeah, absolutely. So, we end the first leg of the World Cup tied three to three, Scott. We will track this through the season to see. Who wins our predictions yeah, So over next, the course of the year? Next event, Elite 10? The next event is the Elite 10. So we will be back next week to preview the Elite 10. As we said, uh, as we record this, the Shorty Jenkins isn't over. As you listen to it, the Shorty Jenkins will be done. But as we record, a lot of good teams still in play at the Shorty Jenkins. Uh, Marianne Arsenault's still in play, Terenzoni's still in play. Uh, a really good. Uh, event there. Holly Duncan is a new semifinal I saw. Mm. So really uh, a solid field there at the Shorty Jenkins. So uh, good luck to everybody who is competing, and hopefully uh, for those teams who are still in it, you have a, a solid final day of the event. But as we said, as you listen to this, you will know who has won, so we will not enter any picks on that. We will answer picks, though, for the Elite 10 next week. We'll also talk next week about the change in the Mixed Doubles Worlds event. We didn't get a chance to talk about that today, but a big change for the Mixed Doubles Worlds, cutting down the field. So we have this one event where we just talked about the World Cup. Grow the game, the other event that has really been key in the World Carolina Federation's efforts to grow the game. They have now reduced the number of teams. We'll talk about all that. Next week, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever it is you get your shows. Give us a like, comment, all that fun stuff. Rate it uh, five stars really helps in the rankings, especially early in the season. Absolutely, yeah. As we get back into curling season, we're hoping the numbers can uh, keep going up. We had a really good summer. We thank everybody for the support through the summer. And uh, now that we're back into the season, keep the momentum going. Hopefully, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us, gameofstonespodcast at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at Game of Stones Pod. You can find us there. We have the Instagram account, which we're going to get going soon.
1: Soon, yeah. Uh, once we get some pictures.
0: Also, at Game of Stones Pod, yeah. there on the Instagram, so you can go, you can find us, even though there's nothing initially there. Uh, As we record this, we're going to get that ramped up in the next few weeks as the curling season starts, so you can find us there as well. So until we talk to you next week, get some sleep after you stayed up late watching the Curling World (laughs) Cup, and keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.